Hey everyone, this is Cherry. And this is Kat. And you're listening to Keeping It Creepy with Cherry and Kat. Yeah. Ow, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Today, I'm only going to say this name maybe two times. Today we are talking about uh, the original Candyman from 1992. Um... As you all know, if you listen regularly, I'm black. And so I'm not going to say that name a whole lot of times. <laughs> just in case. Just in case. I'm just going to want you to know that when I say he or him, I'm, I mean. That guy. Yeah. I may occasionally call him Tony Todd. Tony Todd. Tony Todd is an acceptable. Tony Todd. I also love Tony I Todd. Love Tony Todd. <laughs> so I may. But if you hear me say Tony Todd or him just in general, I mean Candyman. All right. That's it. I've said that's it twice. It. You said it twice. That's, that's it. it. So you, you need like a 24 hour reset period yep. now. Kind of reset. No yeah. Can't do it again. All right. So um, <laughs> as usual, before we get going, um, I'm going to give a spoiler free synopsis off the top of my head because I never think to Google it. So uh, this movie um, <laughs> is about basically a this one is about uh, we're following a woman named Helen Lyles, who is a I guess a Ph.D. student at some university. She's writing her thesis about urban legends but specifically uh this urban legend the title character not gonna say his name again um so she and her friend bernadette are working on this thesis together um they hear the story they interview a few people uh helen i'm gonna say it being a white woman mm. doesn't believe the stories and so at the begin, early in the movie she and her partner go into a bathroom mirror to do what the legend says which is you say his name five times together they say it four times helen is the only one who says it a fifth time mm. Mm. uh and then uh yeah from there things go awry all right <laughs> so from this point on we are going to spoil the shit out of this movie so, so spoiled it's also from 1992 so yeah. if you haven't seen it really what are you doing with your life plus as of the as of this recording the new one just came out Friday, I think. Yeah, which we are going to see as soon as we finish recording. Yes. So really, if you haven't seen it yet, what are you doing with your life as a horror fan? Pause right now. Go and find it. Watch it. It is currently streaming on several places. I think all for pay, but like three or four dollars. It's worth it. It's worth it. Um, Or you know what? Go to Walmart, find a five dollar bin, pay the five dollars and own it mm-hmm. because it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. All right. So here we go spoilers from now on all right okay so first things first is that this was originally a story so the mythos for how they say that the legend came to be is not it's entirely fictitious for the movie um there are other legends that legend format of you say this thing three to five to ten times in a mirror and something terrible will happen Mm -hmm. or something cool will happen or something interesting will happen like bloody mary or like blue baby was one that i heard when i was a kid it's a, it's a pretty familiar format, but this one was always made up. So it was based off of a Clive Barker short story. Yes. Uh, and it is actually set in England because he is British. British. <laughs> and it's all white people. Like, it's a white, rich woman who basically, it, it's very similar. I wrote, I wrote, hold on, I wrote this down. Um, there's a lot of changes between them, but essentially it's the same that a white, privileged woman's arrogance exposes her to a danger that the perceived lower classes warn her against Mm. because she thinks that she is so smart and and she has had, she's so worldly that any danger that they face is just not a danger she has to worry about. But in (laughs) fact, they're more prepared 
against this danger than she is. And so in that way, it's sort of similar in this perpetuation of like that real life events fuel urban legends. And so therefore for an urban legend to continue, real life events have to happen continuously. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, is it's, it's a similar theme throughout the two of them. You were, yes. So this, this story uh, was always kind of had this idea of like privilege is, uh, uh, its own kind of ignorance. Yes. And will Agreed. expose you to dangers, right? To, to specific dangers that maybe other people are aware of just because of their life circumstances. So it's kind of like a metaphor for like poverty. Yeah. And what I really liked was that the director, who was a white man, um, decided that a really good way to show this was to show racial tensions in America. And I don't think he was American. I think he was British. Oh, even better. Yeah, and so he's the one who decided that, that we were going to change the story to fit Cabrini Green, that we were going to go into America and show this, like, racial disparity. Right. Okay. Which is, um, that's really prevalent, especially when uh, Bernadette and Helen are at Helen's condo. Yes. And she shows Bernadette that her condo building is built exactly floor plans and all like Cabrini Green just across, is it across a, a bridge or yes. like? across the highway. Across a highway, right. They're identical buildings, but for her building, they just covered the center block with plaster and raised the price like tenfold. Yes. Yes. So we have this... Uh, juxtaposition because a lot of the um, action takes place within apartments, either apartments in Caprini Green or Helen's apartment in her nice condo. Yes. And you get a lot of that kind of juxtaposition between, um, you know, what's essentially the same set with different dressing and they're both equally dangerous. Yes, because of the title character. Right. Um, <laughs> because of Tony Todd. <laughs> about Tony Todd, because I'm not saying that name. I mean, I know some of you are probably like, what? It's just a move, but I'm... I'm black and religious and highly superstitious. I'm black and Southern, so mm. I'm very superstitious. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong Just with that. Just saying. Um, so the beginning of this movie, um, when Lyles and Bernadette are like interviewing people, other college students like who have not experienced a sighting themselves of him, but of like, oh, my friend or my roommate told me that their friend died because, or I thought that was interesting because... One of them was brown, but the other was a white boy. So what I thought, well, the first two students that we see her interviewing are both white. It's a white girl. Oh, they are both. Oh, you're then, right. They are both white. And then a white boy. And yes. the first girl is talking about Candyman. Yes. The second boy is not talking about that legend. He's talking about a completely different legend. Right. Um, about uh, babysitters putting children in the oven like because of drugs. That's, that, that's an old... Uh, anti-drug commercial where yes. like a, a babysitter pops LSD and goes to prepare the chicken, but then the, the parents come home and they're like, what chicken? And it's the baby. It's the She's baby. cooked the baby. Yeah. Um, so it really it didn't have anything to do with that. It's just sort of, you can see that to her, and she's smirking and smiling and, and yes. sniggering the whole time, yes. that she's writing this this thing to basically be like, urban legends are so stupid, and everyone who believes in them is an idiot. Right. And, and it's just the fact that she happens to be playing, and she thinks of them as all the same. Like, they're all right. completely just trash, and she doesn't seem to be interested in their origin or what, like, historical context they have or what, like, moral imperatives are being being taught right um i love urban legends i used to teach a whole a whole unit on urban legends for my rhetoric class and the the basic definition of an urban legend is that it's a story that could be true 
but it serves to teach a moral lesson. Yes. So don't do drugs. Don't uh, be an irresponsible babysitter. Mm -hmm. Watch out for yourself. Be safe. Don't tempt fate. Stuff like that. Right. And the, the, the moral of this story, if it were true, would be don't take candy from strangers yes or or even and also like don't kick the hornet's nest like don't go into dangerous situations on purpose right right because you could just not say his name you could just not do that (laughs) because she could have done this entire research project without doing that yes yes she could have um and even and but i think the fact that she does it so early in the movie and she does it in I, I might be getting ahead of myself. So, should, I mean, they they hear about this Candyman, and when they're playing the tape, the name gets said, and one of the cleaning ladies at this, it's supposed to be a college, it's definitely a high school. It's definitely a high school building, but it, yeah, it's supposed to be a college. <laughs> uh, that she's like, oh, are you, I know about that. Yeah. But what I thought was really cool about that is that these two cleaning ladies who are working at the school, like obviously Helen thinks of herself as just so much better than them. Yes. But they don't live in Cabrini Green either. No. They live in the nice part of town. Yes. And they even said, oh, well, you know, my friend's cousin lives over yeah. there. I don't live over there. I live in, I mean, they said like Southeast or something. Yes. Which is, but the way she says it, it's clearly like, I don't live in that part of town. Yes. I live somewhere else. Right. Even yeah. I, even I am not you know, at that poverty level. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but Helen thinks of it as like all the same. Yeah. Like these are all the same kinds of people. And who all that in the same kind of thing. It's because they're black. It's because yeah. they're black. Both cleaning women are black. The one comes in the room, hears her listening to the tape. Oh, are you writing a story about that? My friend has a story about that. And so she goes in the hallway, calls the other cleaning lady who comes in and tells a story about someone she knew who was killed. Yes. yes. And that they blamed that person. Yes. So what I really like is that this is not a single layer story. This is a triple layer story. So you have the first story, which is there is this tortured, you know, black man mm-hmm. whose ghost haunts this area. Yes. Right. Um, and then we have this, there is this horrible thing happening where real people are dying. Real people are dying. Because of this, the drugs and the poverty and the ignorance of this area mm-hmm. that is kind of perpetuated by this white state. Yes. And that, dr- that gang le- leader, that gang leader is calling himself the Candyman. Yes, he is. And, but he's a real dangerous person. Like, a- he actually has killed, he killed the, yes. the woman, uh, Ruby, which is based on a true story. I think we talked about that before. I think so. Um, yeah. And then he is the one who attacks Helen in the bathroom, right. and he's the one who uh, attacked that child, right? In the in the in the, in bathroom, the bathroom before, right? Like years before, and so he has actual physical victims. So it's also a horror story about like poverty and drug use. Yes. And then we have this other horror story, where is this white woman? feels like her she's so impervious to bad things happening that it ruins her whole life. Like every <laughs> yeah. part of her life, her respect, her freedom, her relationships, uh, her academic prowess, her rep- like everything is gone because she just couldn't stay in her lane. Right, if she had just not said the name. And her Bernadette, which we haven't said, if, so if you haven't seen the movie, her partner who's working on this with her, Bernadette, is a black woman, um, which is partially why Bernadette doesn't say the name the fifth time. Mm-hmm. It's like... When Bernadette is interviewing that white student, she's also kind of smirking and like not taking it seriously. And her and Helen even kind of make eyes at each other like, oh, this story is so like whatever. So Bernadette also thinks that these things are pointless or ridiculous, but 
not so much so that she'll say the name five times. That she'll tempt fate. Yeah. And so, and I do think the casting was interesting. It had to be deliberate. Bernadette is the lightest skinned yep. uh, black person in, in the cast. In the entire, yeah, the entire cast. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And I was like, I see what you did there. Yeah. She And she's not even like light, very light skinned. No. She's, uh, she's just, a, she's a medium brown, but everyone else is like darker brown. Right. And she has that like 3A hair. So she's lighter skinned. She's got the good hair. And then, but compared to all these other people who live a different life than her. Yeah. Which, you know what? You know what's one thing? Another thing that I really want to give Candyman credit for, for as, as a film, is that everyone with the darker skin colors are lighted so well. Yeah. Everyone oh, is lit that's true. so well. Even in the, even indoors, mm-hmm. which is when it's usually lost. Even indoors, <laughs> even in like darker settings where Tony Todd is like lurking yeah. in the shadows. He's always so well lit. He always, his features are always very stark. He always looks very like attractive, like dangerous, but he's a good looking guy. But he's a good looking guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and they just did, I'm, I'm always so, so pleased. <laughs> and it's not like, it's not like Helen and the others look bad. No. It's, everyone is lit properly. Yes. Which if you watch enough movies, and you yeah. pay attention to black people, we are often not lit properly. And it's like, it's purposeful. So when you when Tony Todd is on the screen mm-hmm. and you can't really see his features, it's clearly on purpose. Yes. And not For just ominousness. because they don't know how to light a black man. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, which is... Yafet Kato. <laughs> God, I love Alien. But know, man, but that man, man, that was criminal. It is criminal. I mean, like, yeah, he's dark-skinned, but also just light, the lighting. <laughs> Give him a better... Mm. Anyway. 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 <laughs> <laughs> So she and Bernadette interview people. They hear the sightings. We find out that Helen's husband is a professor at this university. And she's like mad because he apparently has a unit on urban myths that she didn't want him to teach until her thesis was done, which also seems stupid. I don't know. Like, I don't see how, I mean, I guess she's worried that she'll interview a kid and they'll tell her something from class instead of something that's real. But also like, won't she know that? Doesn't she know all the stories he teaches? Anyway, (laughs) moving on. (laughs) Well, I like, I like it because Really early on, it's peppered in exactly how privileged Helen is. Because she's she she's like, you should change your whole thing yes. for teaching because I'm writing a paper. And he's like, that's dumb. He's I'm, like, I got I'm a, a legit I'm a legit teacher. I got like, a syllabus to this work. This is through. my actual job. <laughs> I, I can't just rearrange things because you happen to be trying to get your PhD. Is he a terrible person? Yes, but oh, that yeah, was no. a weird request. In the same way that she goes to dinner with one of the colleagues who is another seasoned professor. He's older. He's been yes. in the field a while. Yes. And she's like, We're going to destroy you with my paper. And she hadn't even done any research no, yet. No, hadn't done any research yet. And he's like, Oh, so oh, you're writing a oh, you're writing a paper about urban myths. Have you read the paper I wrote about urban myths? just 10 years ago on your particular myth yeah like he's like did you read mine you didn't well you should so then you don't plagiarize by accident like anyway but she's just like looking down at her nose at him the whole time and then he is the one who actually tells her the like the mythos of right. where Candyman came from, and you can tell when she's sitting at the table, she's never heard. No, this story she's never before. heard this before. She heard some brown people talking about it, yeah, and assumed that this was just some dumb poor people thing, and that it had no ties to history whatsoever. Because what do dumb poor people know about their history? Thank you. Right. It's so rude. It's but so rude. That's what I really like about this is that Helen is our final girl protagonist, but she's not likable. And I feel like you can get away with not liking her and still like the movie. Like the movie doesn't necessarily portray her as a great person. Right. Even though she's the main character. Even though she's the main (laughs) character. And they do some hammy stuff toward the end, but even then, like, we'll we'll get there. Right. Um, So I do want to read, and I'm reading it from 
Wikipedia because I didn't okay. feel like writing it. I want to read the mythos of where it comes from because I think that's really cool. I also feel like they change it for the second one just based on the trailers. But we'll talk about that whenever we talk about the second one. Um, so the story this professor tells at dinner is that um, Candyman was born in the late 1800s. He was the son of a slave, grew up to become a well-known artist, and he was highly sought after to paint portraits of wealthy white people. Um, however, he fell in love and had a child with the daughters of one of these white families. And you know, 1800s, that's not allowed. So they send a lynch mob after him. He is captured. They cut off his right hand, smear it with honeycomb stolen from, a, I don't know, where bees are kept. Um, and then the honeycomb smeared on his cut off right hand attracts the bees and the bees sting him to death. And then his corpse is burned and the ashes are scattered across the land and Cabrini Green was built on that land. Yes. So what I have noticed from urban legends, even the ones particularly that have to do with like death and dying, they usually have multiple origin points. Mm. So that's what I like about the the we haven't seen the new one yet no. but in the new trailer it seems to imply that the Candyman myth is different yes. and more modern so i'll give you a real life example there is a bunny man bridge up in Fairfax and I've driven through. It's really creepy because it's a very short bridge and it's very old. And so there's no lights in it whatsoever. Right. So, and it's very like one car, like Ooh, it's a creepy looking bridge. Yeah. Well, the reason they call it bunny man bridge is because of some crazy urban legend that like, if you go into the bridge at night, you'll get killed. Basically, if you try to walk through it at midnight or walk mm. through it on Halloween and that teenagers do it, not all of them come back, that Ooh, kind of, of thing. <laughs> so the, I, the origin story is that, um, some guy, William bunny man, like broke out of a prison <laughs> and like was at this bridge killing and eating rabbits to survive. And then he like killed some, that's where the, he killed the first kids and like hung their bodies or something right. like that. All of that is absolute BS. Like there's nothing, <laughs> nothing, occur, uh, nothing is, is connected to that. But there was a weird thing that happened with a guy in a bunny costume. It oh. actually happened a long, it was, it was in the, I want to say the fifties when they were doing the eminent domain and they were buying up a lot mm, of land in, yeah. in Northern Virginia because of, um, the government stuff. There's just mm -hmm. so much stuff up there for DC and yeah. military. There's Quantico, all that other stuff. And so they were forcibly buying out people's land and it was a lot of farms and, and people don't like to give up their farms. Right. And so as a form of protest, some guy dressed up in a bunny suit and would go out chucking axes at people. Like there are police reports. <laughs> he never killed anybody. I don't well, think he even injured God. anybody. I think he was like, vandalizing stuff so he like he broke windows okay. of like people who were like there was like a couple making out in a car and he like smashed their windows and then they drove <laughs> off and like he would he would just break stuff and people would see him like you drive by and just see a dude in a bunny costume <laughs> ominously standing at the edge of the road with axes so this was like a real thing that happened for a couple years and they think they can't even prove that it was the eminent domain but they feel like it was some kind of weird yeah. connection just because that's what was happening in the area but that's where like that spun off into this crazy story <laughs> that spun off to this to this urban legend about this tunnel. So I kind of like the idea that there's all these multiple legends for where the hell Candyman came from. Yes. And maybe he just takes that form because that's the, the common maybe. conception. Yes. In one of the trailers for the new one, they, the, they tell you the mythos, which is that he, I think it's the last trailer, which is the one that everyone like people hate. Cause it's like, look at all the spoilers are. It's a pretty good one. There aren't a lot of spoilers. I don't think, but they say that, Basically, he there was a guy in the neighbor. There was someone in the neighborhood giving candy to kids, and there'd be razor blades in the candy, and that they captured who they that the police caught who they thought was the actual perpetrator and tortured and killed him. And then after he was dead, 
candy with razor blades continued to turn up. So that this man who was killed in place of the actual, like, I was going to say victim, perpetrator, gosh, is who is coming back to kill people. Mm. Now, what I think is really interesting about that is that in this first one, which I had, I don't know why I had never really paid attention to it before, but in this first one, um, the mythos is completely different. It's from the 1800s, it has to do with slavery and all of that. Um, which that mythos in this movie makes sense for the way he presents himself. Right. But Helen, that first time, no, the, the first or second time that she sneaks into that apartment in Cabrini Green, she finds that bag of candy. First time, that's the first time. The first time, she finds that bag of candy and cuts herself on the razor blade. And I don't think that they ever explain that in this one. I think that when, um, because that's the longstanding urban myth, you know, that there's, you have to check your candy in Halloween because people put yeah. razor blades in it, but it, there aren't really any documented cases of that happening. It's no, not really, it's just, it's just, but it is, the moral is to not trust people. Right. You know, I'm thinking especially your children with, with things from strangers that you don't know. Exactly. So it's a, it's a good, it's a good lesson mm-hmm. nonetheless, but um, it isn't really something that ever happened or at least wasn't documented right. as to happening. Right. And so, um, I think that when she first starts to crawl in there, Bernadette tells her, what are you going to do if you find a stash? Like, what if you think, what if they're using that empty apartment to store drugs? Right. And I think that they were trying to imply, because of the razor blade where you cut up pills, I think they were trying to imply that the candy was like a, a drug stash. Like, oh. like that that was somewhere, pe- somebody, people had been leaving their, their drugs in there to like, you know, hey, I'll leave the, the drugs in the spot. Oh, you leave the and money that makes sense because that, that, Painting, not painting, the graffiti sweets to the sweet. Right. I think they called it, at least it was supposed to imply implied that in this area they call drugs sweets. Right. So it yeah. was, they have that connection there. And that also explains why in the bathroom with this, it said sweets to the sweets. And yes. that's where she got jumped by the gang members. Mm-hmm. So the gang members may have been using Candyman's lair as a place to put oh, the drugs. Yes. Because it's kind of, it's almost like he is. I don't want to say possessing, but like lending his power, his fear yeah. to this to the small time drug dealer mm-hmm. who is using it to crush this neighborhood. Right, right. Because he even he even attacks people with a hook. Yeah, like the myth, like the yeah, because it's wild. Anyway, um, <laughs> so let's see. We've gotten to the custodians, Helen, and the, yeah. Okay, so they Helen after Helen explains the whole my condo is just like Cabrini Crane sort of thing, and then they say the. Um, they say the, they say his name in the mirror. It's the next day or the next scene when the two of them are going to Cabrini Green to kind of talk to the people who actually live in this neighborhood where this myth, uh, is thriving. And, um, the story that the cleaning lady had told them was that her friend knew someone who had lived in this, uh, you know, lived in an apartment in Cabrini Green and had been calling the police repeatedly saying there's someone in the walls or someone coming through the walls, like someone's in the walls. And of course the police don't believe her. One, it just, it does actually sound crazy, but two, you're calling the police to an impoverished black neighborhood. They're not, they don't care. Um, and so the police don't come. Uh, She calls repeatedly different days across however long the timeline is. They never show up. By the time police do come, it's because her neighbor has called and has heard her being attacked. And literally, someone came through the wall into her apartment and murdered her. Right. And so there goes back to, again, poverty. Right. The police, if the police had come, the first, if she had been white living where Helen lived and she had, Helen had said some, there's someone in the walls, they still would have thought she was crazy, but they at least would have come and checked. Right? Um, and so 
they don't come and check on this woman because of where she lives and because of her race. And so she's murdered by someone who actually comes through the walls and it's all in the newspapers, which is something that lends credibility to the news, to the cleaning lady, because Helen didn't believe her until they're both of them are like, Oh yeah, it was in the news. It was all over the news. I read it in the paper. And then Helen's like, Oh, okay. Well then maybe, maybe I can believe this story. Right. Right. Up until then, she clearly didn't care what these women were saying to her. And what I think is interesting that, and that, that murder is almost like, Line by line, the Ruthie Mae McCoy murder, Mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, some kids probably looking for drugs. They've never been charged uh, because the police work was just so shoddy, but everyone in the neighborhood kind of knew what was up. Were coming through basically the medicine cabinets in uh, bathrooms to steal stuff. And and it was especially easy if there was an empty apartment adjacent to, because then they could just come in and and, and get out. And they think that they surprised her at home, and then that's why they had to kill her. Mm -hmm. Uh, She had just gotten, like, a big paycheck or something like that, and it was back in the day. So everybody knew everybody's business, and, you know, where was she going to put it? So, yeah, unfortunately, but the fact that this story, they, they juxtapose this story into Candyman, and Helen looks at the story and goes, wow, this is an actual murder. Mm-hmm. Someone actually died, and no one got arrested for it. Yeah. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to run around all this crime scene. Yeah. Wild. White woman podcasting <laughs> white woman. before white woman podcasting was a thing. For yeah. real. So Helen and Bernadette go to this dead woman's apartment uh, in Cabrini Green. It is still not inhabited. There's still no, no one lives there. They walk right in, which is not accurate. Even in the ghetto, it would be locked <laughs> but like whatever because I don't, I don't think they break into the apartment no, it's, it is the door, the door is open. gaping open right which you know maybe that's a little bit of a white man writing about an impoverished neighborhood the door will lock anyway everybody locks their doors <laughs> right the owner of the building would have locked the door because what the owner of the building doesn't want is for drug dealers to move in like they want they want to be able to like rent that apartment to someone anyway so the door they just walk into and they're in this woman's apartment we're walking all over this crime scene where this murder happened doing whatever they want um, and they go into the bathroom because Helen had already shown Bernadette that all the, the only thing between this apartment and the next one literally is the medicine cabinet. She pulls out the they go the go the medicine cabinet is out on both apartments and Helen's like I'm a white woman I'm gonna climb through <laughs> and Bernadette's like the hell you will but Helen being Helen goes through my favorite part of this whole scene was that while Helen is gone and and Bernadette is waiting for her in this really disgusting apartment Bernadette's like well I'm gonna sit but this tub is disgusting I'm gonna use Helen's coat to sit like as a layer between me and this disgusting bathtub as well she should as well she should as well she should fuck Helen in her coat (laughs) oh I have one quick note so the first time they hear the Candyman story it is about like a white babysitter who has her like some bad boy come up yes. and it's definitely like a be a responsible babysitter don't be promiscuous is like the moral of yeah. the story <laughs> but the the bad boy is Sam Raimi's loser little brother I can never remember his name he's no. A. Raimi and he is in stuff because his brother is Sam Raimi I know him as Jockster the Mighty from Xena and so he shows up and I was like there is no way that Jockster the Mighty is the bad boy boyfriend no. and then he sits on the couch and he drinks a beer like Clearly, this man has never drunk a beer in his life. He swishes it like it's mouthwash. And I died. That poor guy. He's yes. the nerdiest He's the nerd. nerdiest nerd who put him in a leather jacket. My God. Yeah, and we'll put you in the, in the quintessential white tee and black moto jacket to make you a bad boy. My God. Uh, all right, but, go, but going back to, I like the way that the movie frames the mirror as the entrance to the special world. Like when Helen mm. first removes the mirror 
and peers through. Yes. And her apartment, that's her kind of inviting it in. Mm-hmm. And then her every time that she goes through the mirror, things get darker and yeah. worse. Yes. And I just thought that was a really cool metaphor. My first thought was that um when she that she doesn't put it well one, she can't put it back. But I was like, are you seriously just not even gonna put the mirror back? Like so she so okay, so Helen removes the her medicine cabinet and then pushes the one out from the other apartment. Mm-hmm. Bernadette's like, what if someone's there? Because Helen doesn't know if that apartment is empty or not. She is completely lucky that it is an empty, uninhabited apartment, first of all, which again, white woman clearly doesn't care. <laughs> I'm like, doing what I want. And so I I would never, because what I would have had to do then is climb through, put that medicine chest back walk out of the apartment because I'm inside. I can just mm-hmm. unlock the door. And then, cause there's no way I'm leaving this empty hole <laughs> through to my apartment. I don't care if there's no one on the other side. And then anybody can just be crawling into your apartment. Thank you. Like what? What the next time the rental agent gives a tour, right? <laughs> there's a big old hole right there. Anyway, Bernadette reluctantly enabling her is like the one POC friend yes. trying to fit into the white friend group. Yep. It's like, she's like, mm, my POC senses are tingling and telling me not to do this, but I do want to be friends with you. So I'm going to discourage and then let you do what you want. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this first time they go to Cabrini Green is when they meet uh, an important character, Anne Marie, who lives in the neighboring apartments where the murder happened. Right, and she's the one who called the police, and that's where we get her that whole story. Yes, and so it's, she, she tells her version of the story, which is, I mean, it's the truth. It's that someone broke in and killed this woman, through, came in through the medicine hole where the medicine cabinet is, and killed her neighbor. And Anne-Marie, though, clearly believes in Candyman. She's like, They're never, I'm, I fear for my son. I don't want anything to happen to him. This crime is never going to be solved. They're never going to catch him. And she says Candyman. And at that point, we haven't seen the drug dealer right. following so that. Right. So Anne-Marie, and then we do meet a little boy. I think his name is Jake. Jake. Yes. And both of them talk about Candyman in this in this fear. And what I think is so interesting about it is that both times, Helen's like, mm, you don't have anything to be afraid of. He's not real. But they're not talking about the myth. They're talking about the drug, the drug dealer, dealer who has this neighborhood in a chokehold. And if you don't mind your business, he will kill you. Yes. And it just never occurs to her that this is a real person. And except, and then even after she, the little boy takes her to that like separated bathroom or yes. whatever you want to call it. And she gets attacked by this drug dealer in this bathroom with a hook. When they're at the police station, she still tells the little boy that Candyman isn't real. And he's like, he isn't real? You just got attacked by a drug dealer and you're still not connecting the dots. And I I thought that was a great, gross oversimplification of like gang culture and the problem with drugs and and poverty where she's like one guy attacked me and now he's going to prison okay great what about his entire network yes what about all of the drugs that already exist in the community (laughs) like what about all of these things that are already like you it's a tiny puzzle piece that you as a white woman managed to neuter and this these people's lives are not going to be better because of you he's going to go to jail and his second in command is going to step up in his place and continue running his leg and probably beat the crap out of jake if not kill him jake may be dead by the before the movie like i mean he's alive at the end of the movie but but like ain't nobody know what happened in the timeline it's only like a couple days later like give it a week this poor boy and his whole family might be because you can't see like 
you took out this one man. Right. There, first of all, six other dudes walk into the bathroom with him. Right. The rest of, anyway. Yes. White woman. Okay. But that's, that's what's nice is that the movie does sort of imply that. Like nobody's life is better after Helen has done her stuff. Even no. when at the end when she's sort of a martyr, which we'll get to, nobody that she has interacted with has a better life because of her. And, and I think that they do a good job of showing that. Right. Um, Let's see. Uh, so this is about when we actually get to meet Tony Todd. Yes. So she's she is up on her abs. Everything is so great. <laughs> like her husband's paying attention to her again. Mm-hmm. And now that she she's has been this, beat up. She has this great story about danger. And she helped the police like an upstanding and you know, citizen. Oh, you know she went back to work. And everyone was like, oh, oh Helen, what happened to your eyes? She was like, oh, let me tell you. And she was the, all, the drama- all, all the drama. All the drama. And all the dramatics. Telling yes. the story about how she was attacked by this man in this bathroom. Yeah. So she barely survived with her life. Wonderful. <laughs> And so she's she's walking back to her car in the car park, and who pops up? It's Tony Todd. Yeah. And Tony Todd doesn't acknowledge. He doesn't say, oh, yes, I'm a ghost, or I am a this. He nope. was just like, you been running around making my name hold less power mm-hmm. and less fear. And so now I have to do something about it. And since it's your fault, you're involved. And he literally says, be my victim. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, and then that cut. <sighs> Let me tell you the nightmare fuel of waking up somewhere you don't know where you are Holy shit. you are soaked in, in blood, blood. Yes. it's not yours like, oh my you're God. not cut cuz so the first thing she does is she starts ripping her clothes off and it's like none She's of this fine. blood none of this and blood is and all yours. you hear is this wretched anguished Howls. scream Howling. of of a woman in distress yes just outside the door i was like i i don't think i could leave the bathroom i, would, I think i would have been stuck in there forever i would have been praying to just Melt into the floor. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> that was horrible. That cut. Because Helen passes out, and then as soon as she opens her eyes, you're like, shit, she's in the. Where, the, where all this blood? Come from? Oh my God, who is. Cr-? It is just. And you know what I love about sensory it? Sensory overload. Mm. Helen is in the bathroom where the mirror is. Yes. So that mirror being the portal, Anne Marie's mirror is probably a portal into. You know, a, an apartment that's in portal to an apartment that's a portal into the dead yeah. woman's apartment. Mm-hmm. So it's like all connected. All connected. Ooh, <laughs> so good. Oh. And so she comes out of, she opens the door and the first thing she encounters is the head of a dog. Sorry if that triggers you. Um, You know, it was clearly not a real dog. So let's yes, just go there. He's fine. It's, he's it's, fine. A fake, it's a fake dog. It's a pretend dog. Yeah. Um, But like, and you, as a viewer, you're immediately like, well, shit, she did this because it doesn't make sense. She is waking up in someone else's bathroom, uh, soaked in blood. Blood's not hers. She's perfectly fine. There's the dog and there is Anne Marie howling because not only is her whole apartment covered in blood, but so is her baby's crib and her baby is gone. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Oh my God. I also don't know how Anne Marie managed to... I mean, I don't know what Anne Marie walked into. I imagine, because Anne Marie's not wearing her work clothes. No. She's wearing regular clothes. So I imagine it's something, she is a single mom. She has no one in this world. Uh, it's implied that her neighbor may have helped her a little yes, bit with the baby because right. being an older woman and single, but now she has no one. And so if she's not at work where she probably pays someone to watch the baby, it's right. just her and the baby. So it seemed to me that she had stepped out to get mail, to grab to grab milk, Maybe. something super fast, come back, 
and this this horror, absolute horror, was in her apartment. Yep. And she's, you know, she's screaming, she's rocking the crib, and then Helen is disoriented and she's an idiot. So she's hearing screams and she's like, I should protect myself. So she sees a cleaver in a pool of Thank blood. Thank you, and she picks and it she up. And she picks that shit up. And you're like, Heffa, first of all, you are clearly in the wrong. You're not, this is not your home. You are the outsider here. <laughs> like, what are you doing? And Anne Marie is clean. Yes. You are covered in blood, whole apartment covered in blood, baby missing bloody crib. Let's put together the puzzle pieces. Right. Woman. Hello. Right. So Anne Marie, of course, sees Helen covered in blood, holding a weapon, loses her shit. Attacks, as she should. As she should. <laughs> and what does Helen do? Cut her with a cleaver. It's like, bitch, you, what are you doing? You. So angry. <laughs> so angry. So it's our time. angry. Thankfully, the police show up at just as Helen cuts Anne Marie with the cuts yes. her shoulder. So it's not like she's gonna survive, she's okay. Thankfully, the police showed up because I was the first time we watched this, I was really like, I think she would have killed her. I think she would have killed her. Like, what is wrong and with And then you? been like, oh my god, I can't believe she attacked me. And it's like, you're in her apartment. Yes. Covered in blood. Yes. Her baby is missing. So the cops come, and the first thing the cops do is restrain Anne Marie. Yes. And then they and arrest And then they Helen. arrest Helen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, and she wasn't armed. Let's restrain She's the unarmed injured. black woman in her own apartment. Who is injured. She's bleeding first. from the arm. Yes. Let's get her first, and then we'll deal with the precious white lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Helen is... In disbelief. Yes. Way too long. She cried, oh, can't you let me take a shower, please? Yeah, the whole time it's like a female cop is like having her stripped down and take, take like, the, the, you know how they would take the pictures for evidence or whatever. Blood splatter. You know, and we've seen Dexter. Literally, like, it looks like she bathed in a pool of blood. Is how, and can I take a shower? Oh, I can't believe you. And she's just like appalled and by all the women being like, lift your left boob, lift your right one. I'm like, or, yeah, you're being arrested, idiot. And even when she's like being interrogated by the police she's just like well can i well what i mean i didn't do it and they're like you are you're being arrested for murdering or at least abducting a baby like what no you can't go and then when she calls <laughs> she calls her husband the answering machine picks up how because how old is this movie the answering machine picks up and she's like well can you come get me no you can't go home you are arrested for abduction possibly murdering an infant you can't but then she, she does. Goes home. Yeah, because I forgot she was a rich white woman. Exactly. <laughs> In a normal circumstance, you wouldn't expect someone who is like was caught as red-handed as she is to be able to just walk out the front door, but the victims in this crime are so poor so and poor. so overlooked. Because she isn't even like I I can't even call her rich. She's just upper middle. Yeah. Like she's not even I mean her husband's a university professor. I'm assuming she doesn't work because she's just doing this thesis. So they have whatever money. They, they probably have some money. some money. I imagine that she comes from at least a, a, like an upper middle class background. Yes. Because she, they, they never seem to be worried about like her timeline or her getting a job after. No. Other words, it, she seems perfectly fine living on her husband's salary. And I got to tell you, university professors don't make that much money. So no. they, they, somebody's got some money. Yeah, right, her trust around. fund or her dad sends her a check yes. every month or something like that. And then they get that fancy lawyer and you know he costs a lot of money. Exactly. And so it's like, they're not even like celebrity rich. They're just upper middle. But right. because Anne-Marie is so poor, 
it's like, well, let this white woman go. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. So the way the cops, the lawyer, and later the psychologist or psychiatrist treat Helen, mm-hmm. I loved because it's a great foil for the way that she treats everyone in the beginning. So the, the way that she's laughing at everyone yeah. and the way that she's like sneering as she writes down what they said is exactly what happens when later she's like, it's the candy man. Yeah, and everyone's like, it. oh, and okay, like, sure. Okay, yeah, whatever. All or right. like when the orderly is making fun of her. <laughs> oh my God, I loved it because it was just as shitty as her and Bernadette doing their little eye giggle at these people that yes, they asked to come talk to, to them. Right, you asked me to you come tell you this story. to come tell you this story and then you're just going to treat me like I'm stupid. Right. Right? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's the same thing where they're like, well, Helen, we brought you in to tell us your story. Oh, is that your is story? That story? <laughs> some, some ghost showed up. Okay, sure. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let, me, let me write this down. Um, and so Helen, let me think. Let's see. Oh, um, but so then, then she gets out on bail, right? After the police roll their eyes, whatever. And this is before the psychiatrist. So she's home alone, um, having gotten out of prison, Whatever. I'm so mad about that. But whatever. So she's home alone. She takes a bath. She was like walking around. And then. Oh. Does he start talking to her then? He but starts then, talking, he starts talking to, her. to her. And then Bernadette shows up. Yes. Yes. Which I also liked this because it was like, Bernadette, you have had this like. Like alert (laughs) in your head that this is a shitty person that you should not be getting involved with Mm -hmm. since the jump of this movie. And you have wanted to be like included in this wealthy white academic set so badly. Yes. Like she looks so out of place at that dinner when she goes to dinner with the the, uh, husband and the professor. (laughs) But she looks like she wants to be there. And so it's almost like Helen is her ticket in. Mm-hmm. And so she can't give up on Helen. Cause no. I'm telling you, if I got friends and I got, I got die hard friends. Like I love my friends, but if my friend was caught with a severed dog head covered in blood and a missing baby at a place that I told her not to go to. I have to say cat. I mean, it wouldn't be me. Right. It wouldn't be either of us as Brown people. No. But let's say it was me. And you, do, I would understand. You would understand if I did not come visit you. <laughs> I would understand. Because, what the fuck, dude? Because clearly I lost it. Cl- clearly you are, have lost your way. Yes. Let's, uh, let's see what comes out in trial. Let's you see know? what comes out. Let's, let's, let's take see a, if, they, if they have other suspects. Let's put a pin in this subject and we will come back around. <laughs> it's, that, it's, it's particularly the place that I told you not to go at all that you clearly went to twice Yes. Once without me. Yes. When I told you it was dangerous. So yes. even if this was some crazy frame up, like a, the drug dealers cronies did this and they're framing you, I would still be like, well, bitch, you shouldn't have gone. Right. Because you went back that second time and that's when the drug dealers even found out you existed. Yes. Yes. This is your fault. This is your fault. So yeah, but Bernadette wants to be bestie. So she rolls up with the flowers. She knocks on the door and you know what? That's her, that's her second chance to get away. You knock yep. on the door. She doesn't answer. I'm like, you know what? She's probably in a bad place nope. right now. I'm going to leave these flowers. Leave these flowers at the door. She can call me. Yeah, I I'm will go. call her later and yes. check on her. I'm going to be in my house. But no, she just walks in this apartment. Thank you. Yep. No questions about why it's unlocked. Nope. Brown sense is tingling. She just ignored them. Which I like also because she's the one saying, "Don't walk into un- 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 unlocked apartments. Don't walk into yes. this woman's apartment. Don't walk-, walk into these people's apartments." But then she walks in because she's thinking, "This is a white rich woman's apartment. What could possibly happen?" I am here? safe. Yep. And she walks in and is murdered. Candyman guts her. Yes, guts her. It's beautiful. It Tra- is tragic. Although her death makeup is uh, is a tragedy. Later, when <laughs> the cops are there and they show dead Bernadette and she is gray, and I don't mean like. 
you know, you describe people who have paled as, you can describe them as gray. I mean, she is like, that was like the thickest <laughs> gray body paint. <laughs> it's like on Pleasantville when they're putting on the makeup to be black and white. Yes. That's what she looks like. <laughs> that's what she looks like. And I was like, I feel like. That's not what a pale. I don't look at real dead people because I think it's weird. But I feel but like. But I feel like they don't look like that. <laughs> I'm going to admit something, having gone to the local medical school after the med students were done with the cadavers and seen them. This was a field trip. It was high school. It was a field trip. I wasn't being weird. Uh, they don't look like that. Okay, good I'm just to know. Gonna... Good to know. Pale, yes, but not not literally gray. Not like gray crayon gray. Yes. No. <laughs> uh, when you watch this movie, the next time you rewatch this movie, I need you to pay really close attention to everything that happens in the psychiatrists or in the psychiatric hospital because it is so fucking funny. Um, first of all, the nurse is giving her injection with a fake needle, which yep. you know, you push and then the needle goes in and so it looks like it it's going into your skin, real, right? right? But it's like retracting. Everyone's everyone's done that thing with the mechanical pencil yeah. where you put it on your hand and you're like, you're giving, yeah, everyone's done it. Yeah, We've all yeah. done it with so the mechanical pencil. that's how it pencil. works. But the, the actress who is playing the nurse assistant stabs her with it so fast that the, the, the rubber, <laughs> it like, it, it doesn't come out. Like it just... It, it just bounces off of her and it's right up on the, it's right up on the screen. Like she's the closest to the camera. It is un, unmistakable after you see it. And then, so Helen's in there, she's getting drugged up. She gets to meet with the psychiatrist. She's still like, oh, where's my husband? I want to go home. Yeah, it's like, it's it, like, a, he's got a whole girlfriend anyway. Yeah. Anyway, he's like, <laughs> hey, hey, he don't love you no more. And B, you, you're crazy. And now there's two, like, there's an actual human body. Like what, what you want. <laughs> yes. And the psychiatrist is, 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 uh, taking notes and Helen decides, all right, I got to get out of here. Uh, I'm going to use this, this haunting to my advantage. <laughs> I'm going to say his name five more times. So she does. He pops up. Guts the, guts the psychiatrist and what i love is he guts the psychiatrist and then if he just left then when people came in they'd be like oh my god she's tied up something how, must have how, right happened. how could she could not have possibly have done this he, he unties her yep, he, <laughs> yeah. he cuts her free and then like, get yourself out of this bitch best scene he gets vacuumed out of the window he jumps backwards <laughs> out of the window and you can see the ropes you can see and I snatching love it. it. I've reround and watched that one scene like ten times. Yeet. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, Yeet is, is right. He just gets snatched back. Without he doesn't fly. No. no, he is taken. Yes. Oh, love it. Oh, love it. Love it. Okay. <laughs> right. And now it now has she has to, right. And of course now when people get it break in and see what's happening, there he there's the doctor, bloodied, sliced up, just like Bernadette, just like what they assume happened to possibly the baby who's still missing. And Helen has to explain herself again. I love it. So she goes out the window, she jumps a nurse and takes her clothes, she sneaks out and she manages to get home. Oh, I love this scene. Such a good scene. It's such a good scene. So there's this girl, Stacy, and Stacy keeps popping up. So she was at the husband's class. She's one of the students, and she was one of his little favorites who came up to talk to him after class. Yep. As soon as Helen comes up, she starts rolling her eyes and flipping her hair, mm -hmm. and even Helen is like, what the fuck's her problem? And... Uh, her husband like kind of plays it off. He's been coming home later and later. Mm -hmm. You know, when she called for the hospital, he wasn't That's right. There. Three, three o'clock in the morning. You're not home. Where are you, sir? Mm -hmm. Where you think? Anyway, That's right. so she gets home and this, this bitch is repainting her apartment 
bubblegum pink. Bubblegum pink. And not an accent wall. The entire fucking apartment. And if you happen to like bubblegum pink, that's fine. Except it's not like Helen's dead. No. She's been in the hospital like two days. Two days. And she is painting the entire apartment. He couldn't even wait for her trial to be over. Bubblegum pink. (laughs) And... What I really like about the scene is that this poor girl, Stacy, whoever this actress is, I don't think she's done much acting. No, but it was so because so appropriate. one of the things that they tell you if when you first start stage acting is that if you have a hard time crying, that you should laugh because if you laugh and close your eyes, it kind of does okay. I the can same see that. from a stage. Yes, it looks like you're crying. And that is what this bitch does. She looks at Helen and she's like, (laughs) but she's supposed to be like upset. Yes, but it works. It works because, okay, so just put yourself in Stacey's place. Okay, I'm going to put myself in Stacey's place. You, your boyfriend's wife has just gone to a psychiatric hospital for kidnap possibly murdering an infant, which already makes you very far mentally gone. Like you are, you have reached a level if you murder a baby, but murdered her best friend. They don't know about the doctor. And this woman is supposed to be gone probably for life because she is clearly caught red-handed and she walks into the apartment. I would laugh, cry too, because it was like a she it was like a nervous kind of I am terrified, but also I'm this bitch, but also she might murder me. It was like all of the emotions at once. And she like falls off the ladder. It was great. Trevor, Trevor. <laughs> so Trevor, she starts yelling for Trevor and and, and Helen's yelling for Trevor. Everybody yeah, wants everyone, this, everybody. this balding sallow looking man he's so unattractive i mean he's not ugly but just like he's not he's not he's he does like, look like a guy who would sleep with a student he does oh yes. right like he would he need that validation in his life yes 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 I've definitely known trevor's in my life oh 100 percent. but also why did she get to paint it, it would have been different if helen had walked in on them like in the bed together yes because that was like okay who's cheating on you but it's a different kind of betrayal yes right she's painting like in gone girl like in gone girl where she he's cheating on her with the young hot student yeah and she's like i don't even care about the sex it's the the sugar kiss in the rain yeah she was like fuck that man fuck that man that's right that's right. right it's exactly it's not i mean you're cheating on me okay you're sleeping together whatever but like it's the intimacy yes <laughs> that's the problem you're letting this bitch paint my apartment i've been going two days <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> how dare you sir anyway Anyway, so <laughs> she's kind of like, well, I've got nothing left to live for. I guess I will go just hang out with Candyman. Yep. I mean, at least maybe I can save a baby. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe I can save a baby. Because what we've seen as the viewer is that the baby is perfectly fine. Right. Candyman occasionally comes and feeds him honey yeah. to sustain yeah, him. I, yeah, he, oh, he's okay. He's not even really crying. No. I think at some point he's just kind of like, oh, blackface, you're comfortable. <laughs> like, you're, right. you, you're the same color as everyone else in my life, so you must be all right. Yeah, he's fine with it. <laughs> um... So Candyman kind of tells her, if you come be my victim, if you come die with me, I'll let the kid go. So this this brings up something interesting because was he lying or did he always intend it to go the way that it did? Mm, so he, a lot of the things that he says, I wrote a couple of them down where he says, you know, be my victim, the two of us will die. And then he says something like, both of us witness a new, witness a new miracle, the two of us will live on in infamy forever. Mm-hmm. And so... What ends up happening is he kind of teleports her and the baby yes. to the giant bonfire full of old furniture and trash that is in Caprini Green that they're going to to have for like a celebration. Yeah, right. And inside this bonfire is the baby. Mm-hmm. And the ruckus that they're causing makes Jake think 
oh, there's something bad. Candyman, the drug dealer, right, is in this is pile. In the pile right. We should set it on fire mm-hmm. and and get it taken care of. Because I mean, to Jake, this guy is larger than life. Of course, he would get out of prison. Of course, he would come back. And then who is he going to go for? Jake, who told on him. Yes. Like So he gets the other kids, and it's all kids. Yeah. That come out with with lighters and with gasoline because who believes in these legends? The children. The children uh-huh. do. Um, and they they set the pile on fire. Uh, and of course, Helen tries to escape with the baby, and she manages it, although she dies from the fire. Yes. And the baby survives. So wasn't that what he promised her? Uh-huh. Didn't he promise the baby will live? Yep. That the people who watch will see a new miracle? Yes. That both of us will live on? Because if Helen lives on as this, oh, she came back and saved this baby, what would she save the baby from? Candyman. Right. So Candyman continues to have to his- legend as the villain. So mm-hmm. like everyone got exactly what they wanted. Yeah. Like and that was like wow, that's <laughs> wild. Granted she thought she'd get to live, live yes, live on, but whatever. <laughs> Define the word how you want. Right. So mm-hmm. I was just like, damn, he really got exactly what he wanted. He did. Yeah, it was nice. Yes. <laughs> uh, I always like I also liked the idea. So there's this kind of you can read it as he is actually genuinely in love with Helen because she is white like the girl who got him killed and he right. loves her. Yeah. But you can also read it as he wants to punish this white woman for being so arrogant because a white woman's arrogance got him killed in the in first, the first place. place. Mm-hmm. And it it really can go either way, either way yeah. because he is torturing her. <laughs> he is ruining her life. He is making her like distraught, gaslighting her, mm-hmm. like making, besides like the physical pain, just doing horrible mind games to her. So, like, is he doing it because he's a man and he has twisted love and he's a ghost? Or is he doing it specifically to punish her? (laughs) Right. Like, "Mm, white lady. Mm, I don't know. (laughs) I dig it, though. That's why I like this movie so much, is you can say it was, oh, this, but it could be that. It could be that. I don't know. (laughs) Well, that's Candyman. And that's pretty much it. I've probably said his name 15 times already. I know. We tried not to. Uh, But we weren't looking at reflective surfaces, and therefore it doesn't count. I am not in a bathroom, and I'm nowhere near a mirror. No, we are not. Anywhere near it. Because why tempt fate? Why <laughs> tempt fate if, if, if that's, you know. Uh, anyway, we're really looking forward to the next one. Oh, so, so much. We will uh, drop that episode once we have a chance to look it over. And until then, see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.